are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. The Sapphire Planet. Reptiles are members of the craft Reptilia, comprising of the amniotes, which are air breathing vertebrates whose membrane protected eggs are fertilized within the mother's body that are neither birds nor mammals. Living reptiles can be distinguished from other tetrapods in that they are cold-blooded as well as bearing scutes or scales. Reptiles originated around 320 million years ago during the Carboniferous period, having evolved from advanced reptile-like amphibians that became increasingly adapted to life on dry land. There are many extinct groups, including dinosaurs, pterosaurs, and, as, and aquatic groups, such as the ichthyosaurs, Modern reptiles inhabit every continent, with the exception of Antarctica. Several living subgroups are recognized. First, testudines, which are turtles, terrapins, and tortoises, and there are over 300 species. Next are the Sphenodontia, which are the Tutaras from New Zealand, and there are two species. Then there are the Squamata, which are lizards, snakes, and worm lizards, and there are approximately 9,000 species. And finally, Crocodilia, which are crocodiles, caimans, and alligators, 
and there are 23 species. Although they have scoots on their feet and lay eggs, birds have historically been excluded from the reptiles, in part because they are warm-blooded. They, therefore, do not appear on the list above. However, as some reptiles are more closely related to birds than they are to other reptiles, crocodiles are more closely related to birds than they are to lizards. Claudistic writers, who prefer a more unified grouping, sometimes include the birds with over 10,000 species. Reptiles are tetrapod vertebrates, either having four limbs or, like snakes, being descended from four-limbed ancestors. Unlike amphibians, reptiles do not have an aquatic larval stage. Most reptiles are oviparous or egg-laying, although certain species of squamates retain the eggs until hatching and a few are viv viviparous, giving birth to live young. As amniotes, reptile eggs are surrounded by membranes for protection and transport that adapted them to reproduction on dry land. Many of the viviparous species feed their fetuses through various forms of placentia analogous to those of mammals, with some providing initial care for their hatchling. Current reptiles range in size from a tiny gecko, which can grow up to 17 millimeters, to the saltwater crocodile, which may reach 6 millimeters and weigh over a thousand kilograms. Traditionally, the reptiles are one of three classes of amniotes, the others being the mammals and the birds. By the middle of the 20th century, it had become common to split the reptiles into four groups based on their skull openings. However, as reptiles in the traditional sense are the ancestors of both birds and mammals, many taxonomists have recently adopted a cladistic approach, preferring to group animals based exclusively on shared ancestry rather than on shared features. This orientation has led some to abandon reptiles as a systematic unit or redefine the reptiles in a manner that includes birds. The origin of the reptiles lies about 320 million years ago in the steaming swamps of the late Carboniferous period when the first reptiles evolved from advanced Reptilomorph labinardans, the oldest known animal that may have been an amniote. A primitive reptile rather than an advanced amphibian, is a 
worst-case scenario. A series of footprints from the fossil strata of Nova Scotia dated back to 315 million years ago show typical reptilian toes and imprints of scales. The tracks are attributed to Holonomus, the oldest unquestionably reptile known. It was a small lizard-like animal about 20 to 30 centimeters or 8 to 12 inches long with numerous sharp teeth indicating an insectivorous diet. Other examples include Westlothnithia and Paleotherus, both of similar build and presumably similar habitat. Earliest reptiles were largely overshadowed by bigger labyrinthine amphibians such as the cochleosaurs and remained a small inconspicuous part of the fauna until the Carboniferous rainforest collapse. This sudden collapse affected several large groups. Amphibians were particularly devastated while reptiles fared better being ecologically adapted to the drier conditions that followed. Amphibians must return to the water to lay eggs. In contrast, reptiles, whose eggs possess a shell that allows them to be laid on land, were better adapted to these new conditions. Reptiles acquired new niches at a faster rate than before the collapse and at a much faster rate than amphibians. They acquired new feeding strategies including herbivory and carnivory. Previously only having been insectivores and piscivores From this point forward, reptiles dominated communities and had a greater diversity than amphibians, setting the stage for the Mesozoic known as the Age of the Reptiles. One of the best known early reptiles is Mesosaurus, a genus from the early Permian that had returned to water, feeding on fish. The first reptiles retained an anaspid skull inherited from their amphibian ancestors. This type of skull has a skull roof with only holes for the nostrils, eyes, and a pineal eye. These animals are generally referred to as anacids and form a paraphyletic basic stock from which the other groups evolved. 
very shortly after the reptiles appeared, a lineage called Sanapisid split off, characterized by a temporal opening in the skull behind each eye to give room for the jaw muscle to move. These are the mammal-like reptiles that later gave rise to the true mammals. Soon, another group of reptiles evolved a similar trait, this time with the double opening behind each eye, earning them the name Dea Siddha, or two arches. The function of the holes in these groups was to lighten the skull and give room for the jaw muscles to move, allowing for a more powerful bite. Deacids and anacids reptiles, back to the last common ancestor of the deacids and synapsids, are classified as the true reptiles, Sauracida. Turtles have been traditionally believed to be surviving reptilian anacids on the basis of their skull structure. The rationale for this classification has been disputed, with some arguing that turtles are deacids that reverted to this primitive state in order to improve their armor. Later morphological phylogenetic studies with this in mind place the turtles firmly within deacida. All molecular studies has strongly upheld the placement of turtles within deacids, most commonly as a sister group to archaeosaurs. With the close of the Carboniferous, reptiles became the dominant tetrapod fauna, while the terrestrial reptiliomorph labdanorthnans still existed, the Sinusids evolved the first truly terrestrial megafauna, or giant animals, in the form of Paleocosars, such as Ednophorsaurus and the carnivorous Dimitrodon. In the mid-Permian period, the climate turned drier, resulting in a change of fauna. The Paleocosars were replaced by the Theracids. The Anacid reptiles, whose massive skull roofs had no postortable holes, continued and flourished throughout the Permian. The Periosaurs reached giant proportions in the late Permian eventually disappearing at the close of the period, the turtles being possible survivors. Early in the period, the diacid reptiles 
split into two main lineages. The Archaeosaurs, which were the forefathers of crocodiles and dinosaurs, and the Leptosaurs, which are the predecessors of modern snakes and lizards. Both groups remain lizard-like and relatively small and inconspicuous during the Permian. The close of the Permian saw the greatest mass extinction known on Earth. A prolonged event due to the accumulation of at least two different and distinct extinction pulses. Most of the earlier megafauna disappeared, being replaced by the archosomorph diacids. The archosaurs were characterized by elongated hind legs and an erect pose, the early forms looking somewhat like long-legged crocodiles. The archaeosaurs became the dominant group during the Triassic period, though it took 30 million years before their diversity was as great as that as the animals that had lived before them in the Permian. Archaeosaurs developed into the well-known dinosaurs and pterosaurs, as well as into crocodiles and phytosaurs. Some of the dinosaurs developed the largest land animals that have ever lived, making the Mesozoic era properly known as the Age of the Reptiles. The dinosaurs also developed smaller forms, including the feather-bearing smaller theropods. In the mid-Jurassic period, these gave rise to the first birds. The Leptipsormorph diacids may have been ancestral to the sea reptiles. These reptiles developed into the Soroterogens in the early Triassic and into the ichthyosaurs during the middle Triassic. Mosasaurs also evolved in the Mesozoic area, emerging during the Cretaceous period. The Therosids came under increasing pressure from the dinosaurs in the early Mesozoic and developed into increasingly smaller and more nocturnal forms. The mammals being the only survivors of the line by the late Cretaceous. The close of the Cretaceous period saw the demise of the Mesozoic area reptilian megafauna. Of the large marine reptiles, 
only sea turtles were left, and of the non-marine large reptiles, only the semi-aquatic crocodiles and broadly similar Champsaurus survived the extinction, with the latter becoming extinct in the Miocene. Of the great host of dinosaurs dominating the Mesozoic, only the small feathered birds survived. This dramatic extinction pattern at the end of the age of reptiles led into the age of mammals. Mammals and birds filled the empty niches left behind by the reptilian megafauna. And while reptile diversification slowed, bird and mammal diversification took an exponential turn. After the extinction of most archaeosaurs and marine reptile lines, end of the Cretaceous, reptile diversification continued throughout the Cenozoic, with squamates undergoing a greater radiation than they did in the Mesozoic. Today, squamates make up the majority of rev living reptiles, greater than 95%, most species being lizards. There are approximately 9,500 current species of reptiles compared with close to 5,500 species of mammals alive today. Most reptiles have a three-chambered heart consisting of two atria, one variable partition ventricle, and two aortas that lead to the seismic circulation. The degree of mixing of oxygenated and deoxygenated blood in the three-chamber heart varies depending on the species and physiological state. Under different conditions, deoxygenated blood can be shunted back to the body or oxygenated blood can be shunted back to the lungs. This variation blood flow has been hypothesized to allow more effective thermoregulation and longer diving times for aquatic species, but has not been shown to be a fitness advantage. There are some exceptions to the general physiology. For instance, crocodilians have an atomically four-chambered heart, but also have two systemic aortas and therefore capable 
of bypassing only their pulmonary circulation. Also, some snake and lizard species, such as pythons and monitor lizards, have three-chambered hearts that become functionally four-chambered hearts during contraction. This is made possible by a muscular ridge that subdivides the ventricle during ventricle distal and completely divides it during ventricular systole. Because of this ridge, some of these squamates are capable of producing ventricular pressure differentials that are equivalent to those seen in mammalian and avian hearts. All reptiles exhibit some form of cold-bloodedness so that they have limited physiological means of keeping the body temperature constant and often rely on external sources of heat. Due to a less stable core temperature than birds and mammals, reptilian biochemistry requires enzymes capable of maintaining efficiency over a greater range of temperatures than warm-blooded animals. The optimum body temperature range varies with species, but is typically below that of warm-blooded animals. For many lizards, it falls into the 24 to 35 Celsius range, or 75 to 95 degree Fahrenheit range, while extreme heat-adapted species, like the American desert iguana, can have optimal physiological temperatures in the mammalian range, between 35 and 40 degrees Celsius, or 95 to 104 degrees Fahrenheit. While the optimum temperature is often encountered when the animal is active, the low basal metabolism makes body temperature drop rapidly when the animal is inactive. As in all animals, reptilian muscle action produces heat. In large reptiles, like leatherback turtles, the low surface-to-volume ratio allows this metabolically produced heat to keep the animals warmer than their environment, although they do not have a warm-blooded metabolism. This form of homeotherapy is called gigantotherapy. It has been suggested as having been common in large dinosaurs and other extinct large body reptiles. The benefit of low resting metabolism is that it requires far less fuel to sustain bodily functions. By using temperature variations in their surroundings, or by remaining cold when they do not need to move, reptiles 
can save considerable amounts of energy compared to endothermic animals of the same size. A crocodile needs from a tenth to a fifth of the food necessary for a lion of the same weight and can live half a year without eating. Lower food requirements and adaptive metabolism allows reptiles to dominate the animal life in regions where net calorie availability is too low to sustain large body mammals and birds. It is generally assumed that reptiles are unable to produce the sustained high energy output necessary for long distance chases or if they could flying. High energetic capacity might have been responsible for the evolution of warm-bloodedness in birds and mammals. However, investigation of correlation between active capacity and thermophysiology show a weak relationship. Most current reptiles are carnivores with a sit-and-wait feeding strategy. And whether reptiles are cold-blooded due to their ecology or because their metabolism is a result of their ecology is not clear. Energetic studies on some reptiles have shown active capacities equal to or greater than similar-sized warm-blooded animals. All reptiles breathe using lungs. Aquatic turtles have developed more permeable skin and some species have modified their cloaca to increase the area for gas exchange. Even with these adaptations, breathing is never fully accomplished without the lungs. Lung ventilation is accomplished differently in each main reptile group. In squamates, the lungs are ventilated almost exclusively by the axillar musculature. This is also the same musculature that is used during locomotion. Because of this constraint, most squamates are forced to hold their breath during intense runs. Some, however, have found a way around it. Varanids and a few other lizard species employ buccal pumping as a complement to their normal axial breathing. This allows the animals to completely fill their lungs during intense locomotion and thus remain aerobic aerobically active for a long time. Tegu lizards are known to possess a protodiaphragm which separates the pulmonary cavity 
from the visceral cavity. While not actually capable of movement, it does allow for greater lung inflation by taking the weight of the viscera off the lungs. Crocodilians actually have a muscular diaphragm that is analogous to the mammalian diaphragm. The difference is that the muscles from the crocodilian diaphragm pull on the pubis back which brings the liver down thus freeing space for the lungs to expand. This type of diaphragmatic setup has been referred to as the hepatic piston. How turtles and tortoises breathe has been the subject of much study. To date, only a few species have been steadily studied thoroughly enough to get an idea of how turtles breathe. The results indicate that turtles and tortoises have found a variety of solutions to this problem. The difficulty is that most turtle shells are rigid and do not allow for the type of expansion and contraction that other amniotes use to ventilate their lungs. Some turtles, such as the Indian flapshell, have a sheet of muscle that envel envelops the lungs. When it contracts, the turtle can exhale. When at rest, the turtle can retract the limbs into the body cavity and force air out of the lungs. When the turtle protracts its limbs, the pressure inside the lungs is reduced and the turtle can suck air in. Turtle lungs are attached to the inside of the top of the shell with the bottom of the lungs attached to the rest of the viscera. By using a series of special muscles, roughly equivalent to a diaphragm. Turtles are capable of pushing their viscera up and down, resulting in effective respiration. Since many of these muscles have attachment points in conjunction with their forelimbs, indeed, many of the muscles expand into the limb pockets during contraction. Breathing during locomotion has been studied in only three species and they show different patterns. Adult female green sea turtles do not breathe as they crutch along their nesting beaches. They hold their breath during terrestrial locomotion and breathe in bouts as they rest. North American box turtles breathe continuously during locomotion and the ventilation cycle is not coordinated with the limb movements. 
This is because their abdominal muscles, they use their abdominal muscles to breathe during locomotion. The last species to have been studied is the red-eared slider, which also breathes during locomotion, but takes smaller breaths during locomotion than during small pauses between locomotion, in indicating that there may be a mechanical interference between the limb movements and their breathing apparatus. Box turtles have also been observed to breathe while completely sealed up inside their shells. Most reptiles lack a secondary palate, meaning that they must hold their breath while swallowing. Crocodilians have evolved a bony secondary palate that allows them to continue breathing while remaining submerged and protect their brains against damage by struggling prey. Skinks have also evolved a bony secondary palate to varying degrees. Snakes took a different approach and extended their trachea instead. Their tracheal extension sticks out like a fleshy straw and allows these animals to swallow large prey without suffering from asphyxiation. Reptilian skin is covered in a horny epidermis, making it watertight and enabling reptiles to live on dry land in contrast to amphibians. Compared to mammalian skin, that of the reptiles is rather thin and lacks the thick dermal layer that produces leather in animals. Exposed parts of reptiles are protected by scales, sometimes with a bony base forming armor. In lizards and snakes, the whole skin is covered in overlapping epidermal scales. Such scales were once thought to be typical of the class Reptilia as a whole, but now are all known to only occur in Leptosaurians or lizards and snakes. The scales found in turtles and crocodiles are of dermal rather than epidermal origin and are properly termed scutes. In turtles, the body is hidden inside a hard shell comprised of fused scutes. Lacking a thick dermis, reptilian leather is not as strong as mammalian leather. It is used in leather wares for decorative purposes for shoes, belts, and handbags, particularly crocodile skin.
excretion is performed mainly by two small kidneys. In diacids, uric acid is the main nitrogenous waste product. Turtles, like mammals, excrete mainly urea. Unlike the kidneys of mammals and birds, reptile kidneys are unable to produce liquid urine more concentrated than their body fluid. This is because they lack a specialized structure called a loop of Henault, which is present in nephrons of birds and mammals. Because of this, many reptiles use the colon to aid in reabsorption of water. Some are also able to take up water stored in the bladder. Excessive salts are also excreted by nasal and lingual salt glands in some reptiles. Most reptiles are carnivorous and have rather simple and comparatively short digestive tracts. Meat being fairly simple to break down and digest. Digestion is slower than in mammals reflecting their lower resting metabolism and their inability to divide and masticate their food. Their pochiliotherm metabolism has very low energy requirements, allowing large reptiles like crocodiles and the large constrictors to live from a single large meal for many months digesting it slowly. While modern reptiles are predominantly carnivorous, during the early history of reptiles, several groups produced some herbivorous megafauna. In the Paleozoic and the Mesozoic, several lizard and reptile groups were herbivores. Herbivorous reptiles face the same problems of mastication as herbivorous mammals, but lacking the complex teeth of mammals, many species swallow rocks and pebbles to aid in digestion. The rocks are washed around in the stomach, helping to grind up plant matter. Fossil gastroliths have been found associated with sauropods. Sea turtles, crocodiles, and marine iguanas also use gastroliths as ballast, helping them to dive. The reptilian nervous system contains the same basic part of the amphibian brain, but the reptilian cerebrum and cerebellum are slightly larger. Most typical sense organs are well developed with certain exceptions. Most notably, the snake's lack of external ears. Middle 
and inner ears are present. There are 12 pairs of cranial nerves. Due to their short cochlea, reptiles use electrical tuning to expand their range of audible frequencies. Reptiles are generally considered less intelligent than mammals and birds. The size of their brains relative to their body is much less than that of mammals. The encephalization quotient being about one-tenth of that of mammals, though larger reptiles show more complex brain development. Larger lizards, like the monitors, are known to exhibit complex behavior, including cooperation. Crocodiles have relatively larger brains and show a fairly complex social structure. The Komodo dragon is even known to engage in play. Most reptiles are diurnal animals. The vision is typically adapted to daylight conditions. With color vision and more advanced visual depth perception than in amphibians and most mammals. In some species, such as blind snakes, vision is reduced. Some snakes have extra sets of visual organs in the form of pits sensitive to infrared radiation or heat. Such heat-sensitive pits are particularly well-developed in the pit vipers, but are also found in boas and pythons. These pits allow the snakes to sense the body heat of birds and mammals, enabling pit vipers to hunt rodents in the dark. Reptiles generally reproduce sexually, though some are capable of asexual reproduction. Although all reproductive activity occurs through the cloaca, the single exit entrance at the base of the tail where waste is also eliminated, most reptiles have copulatory organs, which are usually retracted or inverted and stored inside the body. In turtles and crocodilians, the male has a single median penis, while squamates, including snakes and lizards, possesses a pair of hemipens. Taturas, however, lack copulatory organs, and so the male and female simply press their cloacas together as the male excretes, excretes sperm. Most reptiles lay amniotic legs, eggs covered with leathery or calcareous shells. The amnion Corian 
and allantois are present during embryotic life. There is no larval stage of development. Viviparity and oviviparity have evolved only in the squamates in many species, including all boas and most vipers, utilize this mode of reproduction. The degree of viviparity varies. Some species simply retain the eggs until just before hatching. Others provide maternal nourishment to supplement the yolk. And yet others lack any yolk and provide all nutrients via a structure similar to a, the mammalian placentia. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.